a new pillar to your business, one that is a bit murky. Uh, I think most real estate agents have had experience working with these people in, in one way or another, but trying to really build it as a systematic way to create a relationship and, and really figure out who's worth their salt and who's not. I'm going to be talking today with one of my good friends and real estate agents here at Whistle Adam House and how he utilizes um, flipping uh, flippers and investors to really help grow his business and, and keep that as one of his, his key pillars. Does that sound about right? Yeah. Cool. Well, welcome, Adam. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Brian. Uh, I'm My name is Brian Kochi. I'm director of marketing here at Whistle Realty Group in San Diego. And Adam, tell tell the podcast a little bit about who you are, a little bit about your background, and, uh, and we'll go from there. All right. So been licensed for a while. Um, like three, four weeks? Yes, like three or four weeks. Um, decided to jump in full time in 2014. Okay. Um, got tired of the corporate world. Um, born and raised here in San Diego and have uh, been aligned with Kyle and you guys since uh, 2017. Yeah. And I, I, it's funny, we talked about this a, a minute off air, but we really connected. And one thing that really drew you to Whistle was the, the massive use of media. And it's funny to say that because talking about that in 2017, where it was just me, to now where there's a team of almost 10 I mean, on the media the room team and, and an awesome built out studio. It, it's funny to be like, of our massive media yeah. experience. And now it's it's tenfold that. Yeah. Um, and And one thing that I want to talk a lot about for this podcast is whether you're new or experienced, I think you can grow your business, add new deals, add new contacts by really working with investors. And whether that's doing wholesaling, like there's a lot of different ways. But one thing that Adam has done really well is he's part he's found and partnered with an investor um, to really be able to work some unique deals to help his clients get homes sold, to help him sell more houses. And I really want to just go through how you did that and exactly step by step what someone's watching, how they can do that. And so that way in four or five years, they can have a relationship as strong that you do. So before we get into that, this is the Whistleway podcast. A, pod, a weekly podcast we do where we give you tips tr and tricks on how to grow your business, whether it be in real estate, lending, title, or really anything. Obviously, we have a, a gear towards real estate, but you can take these tips and tricks and utilize it in really any of your business. Um, if you like this content, you want more of it, go to thewhistleway.com, thewhistleway.com. From there, you can join our Facebook group, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, join our weekly newsletter, learn about some courses we do that help you get inbound referrals, um, join our outbound referral network. And if you're interested, you're in San Diego and you're interested in learning about joining the team, that information will be there as well. Without further ado, let's get into it, Adam. Before we talk about step one, tell me a little bit about your relationship with your with some investors that you have now. Okay, so I think anybody in real estate knows that the investors, some of them are scumbags. Yes. Um, well, I to, guess to put a, lot of, a lot of them are scumbags. Um, <laughs> they will say whatever they have to say uh -huh. to try and get you to be their agent. Yep. Although you want to believe that when you're first starting out because you're hoping that you're going to end up getting $100,000 deals off of them. The reality is they're all talking to 100 other people at the same time. So um, initially, you know, I started building the business just by doing open houses, calling vacant open house, you know, options. Hey, can I hold your house open? And that worked, generated some business. 
And you were calling other agents? Is that what you Yes, did? I was calling mm -hmm. listing agents of vacant properties. Um, I called a listing agent. I didn't know at the time he was actually the investor behind the deal, but he let me hold the, ho the home open. Um, I remember it was in Del Cerro. It was a really nice house, lots of style. Like I can tell you had an eye for interior design. So I really liked the quality that I saw because a lot of these guys put lipstick on a pig. Mm -hmm. um, Again, we need to have an investor in here. That's uh, yeah, because you're right. There's there's a lot of rough a lot of rough ones and yeah. and you don't want to get in bed with the wrong one. Mm -hmm. um, and again, like you said, they all tell you, oh no, no, I'll work with you, but they have no loyalty to you. They're just trying to get you to bring them deals, right? Um, and that's not. And I think that puts a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths and saying, I don't want to work with investors because that's the stigma and that's what we see. Um, and so I'm really excited to have you tell us this is how you figure out who to work with. Right. Yeah. So this guy, he uh, he showed up while I was doing the open house. He needed to like pressure wash something. So I just kind of started picking his brain because I was new. He rolled up in a flashy car. I thought, you know, okay, like he's obviously, you know, 10 steps ahead of me. Like, what can I learn from him? So I started to just kind of listen. How did he start? And he started one by one, you know, took the profit from one, bought another and just kept going, kept going, kept going. But he never really had the goal of flipping a hundred houses a year. Like so many of these guys, they just want to turn and burn and move on to the next project. He wanted to do, if he could do 10 good flips a year versus a hundred crappy flips, like he was happy. On the back end, that also helped me understand too, like I don't want to look bad just because I'm representing a bad flip. Mm -hmm. Automatically, if you're holding an open house and the house looks like crap, people are going to have a bad taste in their mouth about you. Even though you weren't the one doing the work, it's still your reputation on the line. People have no idea. They don't, people don't know what brokerage you're with. They don't know, oh, you're not the listing. They don't know, they don't know. Right. And, and they're not supposed to know. They don't, it doesn't matter. Right. Right. And so you're a hundred percent right. If, if you're not prepping your home, the, the home you're listing, it's going to look like this is your listing. You didn't prep your sellers. It's your fault. Yeah. And they're, they're not gonna be like, Hey, this house looks like junk. Will you show me other houses? I would assume they're going to look the same. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah. You're right. So he and I stayed in touch. I had dealt with other investors. Um, some good, some bad. I learned a lot through that. Um, I did learn, like you said earlier, you're just another number. So, mm -hmm. you know, as soon as they can work with somebody else who will give them a lower rate or, you know, cut them back some of the commission or whatever it is, they'll, they'll, you know, you're dead to them. So, yep. um, he and I stayed in touch for a couple of years before we actually started working together. I started sending him some options that I had um, off market and he ended up coming in. And one of the things that I liked was that he um, he did what he said. And so many of these investors, they will come in and they will offer the highest price just to get under contract. And then they will undercut and try and get a price reduction five days into escrow of $100,000. And then the deal falls apart. And like, I get it from a business perspective, but- right. And and, and for them, it's not emotional. Right. But I've seen it happen where they're 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 working with someone that needs to move because their their mom's sick and they need to move in. And not five days into escrow, it's three days after it was supposed to close. They're like, well, I'll only close now if we crush it. And then you're like, well, now they're screwed because you know they have to move. Yep. And they don't have time to go back on the market. Yeah. Again, not not great. Yeah. They're banking on the numbers working in their favor. Yeah. Um, and it does. I mean, you know, these guys, I was literally talking to one of the guys that owns one of these companies over the weekend. Um, and I was giving him a little bit of shit because I'm like, your guys, you know, come on, they, they, they're playing games and he knows, yeah. you know, but for him, if he can even get 10% of them to go through, he has more money than he knows what to do with. Yeah. So, 
Um, so we started working together. You know, it's been one of those things where he has always performed. He's never backed out. He's never tried to get the 50K under. If there's any adjustments, it's it's justified. It's like, hey, we didn't know that there was a sinkhole. So like we need, you know, to adjust it for that. Like it's yeah. a legitimate reason. Yeah. Um, and so I've always appreciated that. He, um, you know, he's always quick to write the offer. He does, he's not afraid. But the other, the other thing is that he has cash behind it or hard money. But most of the time he's got the cash to back it up. Most of these guys have some sort of a construction loan on the back end or hard money or contingencies, you know, behind the scenes, whereas he doesn't. So, um, you know, it's, it's made it nice and smooth, but I've had a lot of times where I've been able to bring him in and give an honest analysis of like a proper sales price. And he's been able to match it for my clients. So they've been happy. He's been happy. He gets a good project and you know, so some of the things that I'm I'm hearing when you're looking for an investor to work with, like you have a really good relationship with one. If someone's listening and say, hey, I want to build a relationship, some things you want to look for is one, the quality of the work. Yep. I remember when I bought my house, uh, Kyle showed me it and he goes, I know these people. Yep. I know they do good work. I remember. Um, like, like little things like this stove is like a $1,200 stove. It's not a $400. Right. Like it's not just cheap stuff. And so- Little things like that where it doesn't really matter. Um, he's like, I know that they took care here and I know that they took care, care here and, and like really paid attention. So you want to look at someone who does good work. Right. Um, you also want to look at someone that has cash behind it is what I hear you say. Yep. Now, how do you ask that? You find that you, you go to a house and you're like, okay, I'm going to hold this open. It's a beautiful flip. I can tell that like the, the, the wall switches aren't falling off and stuff. You're like, hey, great open house. Do you have cash? How how does that come up? Well, you mean asking the the investor, the investor, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, if you're around a while, you'll get to know all the typical big box investors, Mm -hmm. and you'll also get to know the the small because there's small boutique investors, and that's the one that I've partnered with, and I've met a whole bunch of other boutique investors, and they have their go to agents, you know, and they pretty much kind of stick in that in their circle. We stick in our circle, they stick in their circle, and everybody's kind of. You know, they play to their strengths and they kind of stay in their lane, so to speak. Um, whereas the the big box flippers, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, and this is true, right? With lenders, with, with real estate teams, like we have our lenders that we go to. How do you get in good, right? Like scenario here. Yeah. You're good with your guy, but I want to come in and steal him from you. What do okay. I do? Obviously, so we're not going to fight. Honesty, in all honesty, I think that one of the biggest things that I've always tried to be is honest in regards to ARV. So that's after renovation value. Mm-hmm. If I give him too high of a number, we don't hit that number. Like we're probably going to be done because he just lost 100K because I overpromised. Yep. And I see that happen a lot. People end up, we lose out on, on these deals because people went way higher than we were comfortable going, but they were probably fed some bullshit to go ahead and believe that they were going to sell this house for a million dollars when it's really only worth 900. So I've always kind of given him a, hey, here's the realistic number. Here's my pie in the sky. I'm going to shoot for this number, but bank your money on this number. So I've always been very realistic. And we've lost deals many times because I won't tell him that, hey, you're going to make X when you're not. Because you're, and what I hear you saying and what I want to make sure we point out to those listening is you're building a long-term relationship. You want the 20 deals over the next five years. Right. Not the three deals this year and then burn them and then find someone else. Exactly. Because after you get burned a couple of times, he's like, I'm not going to work with you again. Right. 
some people, some real estate agents are very transactional. They don't care if they burn people and they just move on to the next one. Yeah. There's plenty of fish in the sea. I don't think uh, most of us like to live that way. Um, and so long-term value. Okay, so good. So what I also hear you saying is you need to have a bit of understanding of ARV, oh, yeah. what the investment, pro- if you're going to work with investors, you got to kind of know the process. How much and it's going to cost them, their yep. hold time. You have to factor all of that in. And how, what's the best way to learn that? Again, I, I'm not an agent, but if I were and I wanted to steal your guy um, or someone else's, and again, what I, what I mean by stealing your guy, right. I, I, we talk about people being shady. I'm right. not trying to be shady. I'm trying to provide him better service than you do. Right. Um, and part of that, the, the easy way is, hey, I'll do it for cheap. Right. Yeah. I, I don't think that's a great way to build a long-term relationship because I don't think your guy's looking for the cheapest. He's looking right. for the best. Right. And so how do we, uh, as agents that don't know about flipping and, and ARV and cash flow and hard money, where do you go to learn this? You study. Like I read all the time. I'm always researching articles, figuring out where, where construction costs are at, labor costs, all of that stuff factors in because at the end of the day, He's paying all of those bills. So if lumber's through the roof, well, guess what? His build cost is going to be more if he's building something. If he doesn't need a lot of lumber, then we're in luck. Maybe he only needs, you know, cosmetic and he's not going to actually be hit by that. But all of that kind of stuff factors in. Makes a lot of sense. So, okay, where else can we find these these investors? We, we talked about open houses and you said there's the big box ones, which as we're talking now as an individual agent, probably not trying to take that over. As a team, maybe building that relationship, right? So that way... Your team can be the listing agents or 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 be exclusive to have those open houses. Yeah. Um, but what what are other ways we can find investors? So look at recently flipped properties. Okay. Pull up tax records, public records to find out who owned it, who was behind the scenes. Don't contact the listing agent because they're probably not going to give you their the number to their investor. Mm, but look and see who who owns that corporation. I mean, social media, like Facebook, Instagram, see if you can track down who the investor behind it is. Kind of go from there, but like try and find somebody that you actually align with, you know? Mm-hmm. And and it sounds like your guy um, has a, a, a similar kind of look and feel to it to where you show, you look at five houses and you go, okay, yeah, I can see the same guy did this. So it's very similar to like when you and I first met and it was only you running the media team, uh-huh. but you had a very specific style for the photography. And I always liked that. I always liked the videos you were putting out and all of that kind of stuff. So before Kyle and I connected, I had already been watching what you had been doing from the you know, public perspective in presenting the brand. Mm-hmm. Same kind of thing. He has a lot of you know, very stylish, tasteful accents that he does, that he does in all the homes. He has certain technology that he puts in all the homes. So they're, they're a step above just the basic you know, bottom barrel flip. And from what I've seen, like my the person who flipped my house, yeah, they paint their front doors, yep, Tiffany same blue. color, yep. So literally, I, I drive down my neighborhood. And I'm like, oh, they did that. Oh, hey, I didn't know they did it. Like yep. I can tell immediately. Yeah. Um. And and when you look inside, they use the same fixtures mm-hmm. typically. Sometimes the same tile. So you can really start to piece things together as you're looking through this. So say you find the investor, you like them. What do you do then? Do you call them up and say, hey, can I hold a house open? Hey, can I buy you lunch? Um, right. We're not going to call them and say, Hey, can I be your exclusive listing agent? No. So these guys probably don't care about a free lunch because they have more money than they need. Um, they're probably not looking for coffee, none of that. So they, they're probably the best way to go would probably be to ask what projects they have coming up. Ask, can I go shoot a little promotional reel? 
mm. showing the, you know, the construction process, show the before and after, ask them if you can hold the open house, ask if, you know, they have any other projects that they're eyeing, what they typically buy, try and learn a little bit more about them, and then kind of let the conversation go from there. If they're just not interested, they're not interested. But if they say, oh, yeah, you know what, I'm doing this flip over in this neighborhood, and you know a lot about that neighborhood, maybe speak to how you know a lot about that neighborhood. You're probably not going to get the listing yet, but like build the rapport. It takes time. One of the things that Kyle says about lenders, because we, we have lenders come in mm -hmm. every day. Hey, I want to be we're like, yeah, we got one or a few, right? Ten, yeah. And, and what Kyle has always said is, give me a deal. Yeah. And let me see what it's like to work with you. Do it on your dime, not my dime. Because if I have to test you out with one of my clients and you you shit the bed, like now I, I wasted my client with a yeah. bad experience with you. Bring me a client. Let's work through it. And so what I'm getting at with that is, like you said, I love how you brought it into this exactly, is ask them what they're looking at, what their buy box is. That's that's a popular phrase. Price matters. Um, yeah, not, say, not all of them touch a million and above. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of tricky too. As soon as you get like a flip that's a million or above, 90% of the investors in San Diego are out. Yeah. So that matters. And so ask them what their buy box is and then, and then bring them a, a house, uh, bring them an option, a ask them to write an offer on a listing. You know, you know, their buy box is, uh, 400 to $600,000 in Santee. Um, set up a search, set yourself up on a drip. Yep. Like we set clients up on drips, like set yourself up on a search. A hundred percent. And you find one, you say, Hey, and again, now they're, you, you treat them as a client. Yeah. And, and obviously they're going to have MLS searches stuff. They're going to have to see the same thing. So sending them like, Hey, did you see this one? Or, or setting them up on a Ylopo drip is probably a bad idea. Yeah. I wouldn't That's set them up spam. on a drip at all. Yeah. Um, but if you find things off market, maybe you go to a listing appointment and they, they're just not ready to sell yet. Um, maybe say, Hey, this fits in Billy's buy box. Let me call them up. Hey, I just put on a listing appointment. It's yep. this, 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 this. They're not ready to list yet. Can I bring it to you? And if I bring it, to, is it yeah. is it rude or is it too much to ask and say, hey, if I bring it to you, I want to represent you on the buy side and the list side? That's that's not, I mean, that's the norm. You yeah, that's typically, if you if there's a spread, yep. you know, you typically do that. I've seen, you know, if there's no spread, either a reduced commission or a tiered commission. What do you mean if, by a spread? I don't know that. So in regards to if they buy it for 500 and they want to sell it for 800, mm -hmm. there's probably going to be a spread because they've spent maybe $150,000 renovating it. Now they're up to 650. Now, if they sell for 800, there's a spread for them to include a commission for you. But if it's a really tight one where there's not that, you know, buffer and it was a $200,000 spread and construction costs got out of hand, out of hand maybe you can't eke out that 1% or 2% commission or whatever they were going to offer you. Mm -hmm. um, but I've also seen it tiered where, you know, if I hit this price, you get this commission. If I've seen, if I hit this price, you get that commission. Like there's always ways to kind of be creative. And that's another way that you can try and earn that, you know, relationship and say, Hey, if you make your money, then cool. I'll get X commission. If you don't, I'll take a reduced commission. Yeah. Kind of lets them know that you're willing to partner with them and kind of feel the pain if, you know, things go that route. And, and here's where it gets tricky. I love the idea of, um, I did, I did this personally. I know Gary V talked about this a lot of like, do the first one, do do your first job free. This is what Gary V talked about. Yeah. I, I photographed, uh, the Santa photo party, the, the photos with Santa the first year, 2014, before I got hired, I did that free. And then I went to the, uh, holiday party. I did that free. Yeah. And so do stuff free. So that way they get an experience to work yeah. with you. 
Here's where the rub is though. And, and I'm not saying you do this free because you have a split with your team. Like there, there's, there's issues. Run it by your broker. Yeah, yeah. obviously. Um, but say you go, hey, I'm going to do this re reduced for. 1%. 1%. What I'm making up a number. Right. This is not the uh, price fixing. Yeah, whatever. no, we're not fixing. We're just throwing numbers out. What, what, one Apple. Okay, whatever. Yeah. How do you then say, <laughs> hey, I'll do it for this one now, but don't, don't give me 1% or one Apple every time I right. do a new uh, listing. I'll do this to prove to you, but this is my commission moving forward. Right. Yeah. How do you have that conversation without being an asshole about it before you actually do anything? I think it's really easy to say, hey, I want this relationship to be super transparent. I don't want like any bad blood. I don't want you to harbor any, you know, thoughts or feelings and same thing for me. So this is kind of what I want out of this business relationship. And is that okay? You know, so that there's no surprises in six months. I didn't know. No, no, no. I mean, I've been very clear on what mm -hmm. my expectations and desires are about this relationship. Can we, can we make that happen? And what I, I love that. And I, I love that you, you even mentioned six months because you're right. This isn't something that you're going to have no. on a weekly basis. But also bringing it back to their buy box, you have this person who's there. The people that did my house, I think, love East County because I see the doors they're, in East County. They're everywhere, yeah. Um, but then again, you can and you want to build a relationship that you can that you can keep, and you don't want to spread yourself out. And, but if you say, okay, this person has a buy box in East County, this person has a buy back box in Rancho Santa Fe, and we'll go right. up to five million. Like you can build these relationships with different vendors when you say, I know these people specialize in yeah. Spanish style revival or whatever, um, and really expand this by working with people with different buy boxes rather than saying, oh, I've got nine investors that are looking for the same thing. At this point, you're as bad as they are because yeah. you're going to give it to all nine and, and they're going to use all their hundred agents. It doesn't make sense. Right. Um, any other tips or tricks that you have about uh, either starting a relationship or or continuing a relationship with an investor that you that you work with consistently. Just be straightforward. Okay. Don't like, don't do the smoke and mirror game. If you say you're going to do something, do it, and don't overpromise because that's what shoots some of these guys in the foot. The there's so much money on on the line, and if you end up partnering with somebody that's not a big box retail flipper, you're probably partnering with a guy who has a family. Like I mean, think about it like from your perspective. If you're investing a hundred, two hundred, five hundred thousand dollars into these properties, how would you feel if you were just lied to? You know, if you know that like the ARV is asinine, just say that. Yeah. You know, like I promise you, like you don't want to overpromise. Yeah, because it's again, it's that long-term relationship, yeah. and that's that's more important than than short-term gain. Yeah. Adam, before we get into our whistle widget of the week, um, thank you so much. That I learned a lot. I think. Uh, people listening to this are going to be able to see how they can just add another pillar. What I'm not, I'm not saying, hey, stop cold calling no. or, or prospecting or working your sphere. But maybe this is another level that you can add to your business that can add two or three. How many deals a year do you work with this guy? So it totally depends. But I can tell you that I've made a ridiculous amount of money when everything else dries up, when the market turns or you know things kind of stall and everybody else that was banking on calling expireds and that starts to dry up on the back end, we've got projects in the works. So it can definitely be one of those things that like really comes in clutch when things kind of slow down for you. And I absolutely love that um, because we, we always want something that we can count on throughout. And when the market gets tough, they get busier. Yeah. Um, and so that's super helpful. And then correct me if I'm wrong, but from my understanding, the flippers really care about 
the numbers. Yeah. It, it, it's it's not well. This house is kind of shitty, or or the neighborhood. They care about the numbers, and if it, and it, maybe it doesn't have to be the most beautiful house every time. But if they can create something they're proud of at a good price to make a profit for them, um, and again keep it ethical as as right as much as we can. The people who I'd want to work with, um, not the people that screw over an old lady who right. has to move into a retirement community. Um, I think that those are the, the the ways to go about it. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. If you got value out of this and you're listening to this and going, okay, I want to add another layer to my business and I want to start looking at investors, please, please, please let us know in the comments. Please write us a review that this maybe helped give you a different perspective on ways to grow your business, not just by working more or harder, but by building relationships in different circles, please write us a review. If you are, if you come across a conversation and another agent says, Hey, this year, I really want to focus on investors, send them this video, send them this podcast so they can kind of get off to a good, good start and not run into some of those mistakes that I think a lot of agents do of, of getting uh, blinded by the, the broken promises by some of these shady people. And I want to be also very clear. There are definitely shady investors. There are also definitely shady real estate agents. And yep. I'm not, this is not uh, uh, unique to them. And I'm not saying we as a whole are better than they are right. as a whole. Right. And I want to make sure if you're an investor, you don't hear that I'm shitting on you. If you're upset by what I'm saying, it means you're probably not a shitty investor. Right. Um, and, well, no, maybe they are. Maybe they are offended. I, I mean, if they're I offended, I, if you're offended because I'm speaking the truth, that's on you, not me. Yeah. Um, but I think if you're offended because I'm, I'm putting down the the industry as a whole uh i get it because i get offended when people say real estate agents are shady when i'm like talk to any of the people i work with and they're all cool like we don't have anyone working yeah. at whistle right now that i'm like oof, oof we have in the past they don't work here anymore yeah um so anyways all that to say thanks for watching before we get to our whistle widget of the week write us a review go to the whistleway.com if you want to learn more to grow your business all the information is there now let's transfer over Whistle Widget of the Week, something we use in our business, saves us time, makes us more money, helps us have more fun. What do you got for us? So it's an app. It's called VN. The letter V as in Victor, the letter N as in Nancy. Nancy. Yes, sir. Um, it is a super easy to use uh, video editor. Okay. So when you're shooting a property walkthrough to either post on Instagram or send to a client and you see all of the media teams that are big budget and they're filming these videos where it speeds up and slows down and then cuts to this and has nice transitions and all of that. That's what this app is. And it's super easy to use. So you can do your walkthroughs for your clients and send them something that looks highly edited in just a few minutes. I love that. I, I was going to do another one. I'm going to keep on that same theme. The app that I use to do those things as well is called CapCut. Um, if you've ever been on TikTok, I'm sure you've seen like Edited by CapCut. They make it really easy to, to publish from the app. Um, <laughs> but uh, CapCut is another tool that you can do those. And I think there's premium versions and paid right. or, or and free versions. I think I just have the free version. Yeah. Um, but I'm really a big fan of CapCut. Cool. I'll try it. Cool. Thank you so much for watching this episode of the Whistle Way podcast. We will see you next week.